Praise the Lord and thank you for joining us for part two of the message entitled The Faith That Saves as we continue our biblical study on what constitutes genuine faith and how we can ascertain whether we have it or not by our lives. Let's listen. The Lord never says things to hurt us. He never says things without uh, having a purpose. And because He is love, He wants to jolt us into repentance after we see our true state before Him. Jesus is all love, but He's also the truth. So He will always give an honest appraisal about our true condition to help us to become righteous and stay righteous so that we can make it to heaven. This is what He says in Matthew 5, 13. Ye are the salt of the earth. Talking about believers. But if the salt have lost his savor, if you are the salt and you lose the saltiness, the Christian character and qualities, then what good is the salt? Why should we use that salt? It is therefore, Jesus says, good for nothing. Notice he says, you are the salt. If you don't have the character of the salt, just like common table salt, we will trash it because it's no use. It's used to give a certain flavor to preserve, but mostly to give a flavor when we dine. The Lord says, that's how distinct your Christian life has to appear before the world and before the Father. If it is not what it should be by virtue of your obedience, then it's good for nothing and to be trodden underfoot of men. That's very clear that He's not just saying, it's good to put on the shelf so that it can renew itself and bring back the saltiness. That's not what he says. He says, you have to have the character or you don't. Similarly in John 15, I am the vine, you are the branches. He says, if you have the fruit that goes with the character of the vine, then you are truly the branches. But if not, what does he say? Let's prune it and let's graft some other things in to make it better. He said it has to be cut off. And he goes further, it's fit only to be burned. So very graphically and very uh, conclusively he says, there's no middle ground. If you are my disciple, you have to obey me. If you don't obey me, you don't have the genuine faith. Going further, if Jesus is the light and we claim to be in the light, but walk in darkness, who is the hypocrite and the liar? Is it the Lord or the person who's disobeying? Certainly not the Lord. He's always the truth. He's always the yea and amen of all the promises of God. So when the Lord finally disowns those who are in the churches or those who are even preaching for their disobedience, He's not the one at fault. He says to the church of Laodicea, Revelation 3.15 and 16, I know what you do. I know your actions. He says, I know your works. That you are neither hot nor cold. He says, you're not hot, you're not with me, and you're not even against me verbally or vocally. You want to associate with me and get the blessings, but you don't obey me. Therefore, I will spit you out of my mouth. Again, very startling and striking words from the Lord. The Jesus of love is a Jesus with the eyes of fire. We must always remember that. Our God is a consuming fire. He's holy. 
when we have that reverence for Him, we'll automatically obey Him. Because we know who we're dealing with. A wrong and a substandard view of God is what gets people into trouble. When things become casual, then we start minimizing His warnings. And we think, I'm saved by grace. I'm okay. Don't judge me. Leave me and my Lord. He understands me. The Word is given and preaches of righteousness, preach the truth, precisely because God wants to get that message to everyone, including Paul and Peter, who said, judgment must begin at the house of God. Brothers, know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God. So that obedience, again, is so uh, plain to see that it must be in the faith. Now, when people use the term works, that's a confusing term for many, because... The moment works is mentioned, a mental and spiritual block goes up that I am not saved by works. Almost like a mantra. We are not saved by works. It is only by His, by his blood. It is only by faith. But James says, a faith without works is a dead faith. So if we can make an equation, we can say this. Obedience equals works. The works that God created us in Christ Jesus to perform, to be the light and the salt. In the New Testament, we have command after command. So many commandments. But Satan comes in and he disguises the true gospel, or he blinds the eyes of the people from seeing the true gospel, by throwing in a scripture out of context. And then a whole slew of people go under that banner, never thinking that they're in eternal danger. What the Lord said at Sinai, the same thing he says today, he doesn't change. The law was fulfilled, but Jesus didn't come to destroy the law. In Romans it says that because we are born again, we fulfill the law through his spirit working in us. We cooperate. So that is very important to note. In 1 Corinthians 10.5 it says this, But with many of them God was not well pleased. If we stop right there, many people can run off on a tangent and preach this. Sure, God gets upset. Sure, He's not always happy with everything I do. But He's a good God. He's a forgiving God. He'll never disown me. The second half of that verse says this, For they were overthrown in the wilderness. God is an awesome God. He's a holy God. If we're going to be like Him, we must not disobey His voice. Jesus Himself purposely stated in the Bible, that I always do the things that please my Father. And if a man love me, he'll keep my commandments. Even as I kept my Father's commandments. This is all we have to live by. Any deviation from this is a subtle false gospel. We have to be on guard, especially today. Because, once again, Scripture can be taken out of context, and it can sound so good to the itching ear. But our soul, meanwhile, is on a downward slope to hell. But the moment we wake up, the Lord says, even the person who gives that message is one who has saved a soul from a multitude of error or sins that lead to death. That's how critical God views that, that true gospel. So, how does this work out practically? God says this. Once again, as we said at the outset, it's not simply, I have to not steal. I have to not commit adultery. That's involved for sure. But it goes deeper. As I'm walking with God, intimate fellowship, as we said, He may touch my hobby. 
He may point his finger at a relationship. He may point his finger at the way I spend my time. This is all a leading of the Holy Spirit. Why? To keep me in constant obedience to perfect me. So that I have no doubt, I can have full assurance that I'm in the will of God and I'm going to heaven. So it's not a, a blanket statement of saying, I'm saved by faith and I'm, I can't lose my salvation. Salvation, that final salvation, Peter says, the grace that's to be revealed at the appearance of Jesus or at the revelation of Jesus. Why does he say that? Because the salvation is a progressive thing. It's gained at the moment I believe I'm justified, but I must grow in that salvation and prove that through my probationary period, I am walking worthy of Him. That's why he says, walk worthy of the one who loved you. So at the end, there's a final entrance into heaven. Spiritually, we are with Him now, but physically we're not. He wants the total man to be blameless, spirit, soul, and body, enter into heaven finally. For that, the apostle says, I labor with all the striving of God in me. He says, I don't want to miss the crown. Same thing, Revelation. So this is how it's so important for us. James 4.17 says, Therefore to him that knoweth to do good, and doeth it not, to him it is a poor choice. It's too bad. He said, it is sin. Sin keeps us out of heaven. That means that even by conscience, the things that God brings up, that we know we ought to do, even if it's not explicitly stated in the scripture, or categorically, we have an obligation before God to say, Lord, whatever you say, I will do. That is a true disciple. That is a child of God. But the one who disobeys, God says, I don't know you. So, there are many more passages, but um, once again, faith without works is... Not just deficient, but it's dead. There's no faith, really. It's not, a, it's not a saving faith. So the topic is the faith that saves. Are you saved? That is the question. Am I saved? If we can answer, I obey God, therefore I'm assured that I saved, I'm saved, then all is well and good. But if we can say, I believe God, but I don't always obey Him, that's a contradiction. Because belief and obedience are one and the same thing in Scripture. In fact, in John's Gospel, uh, chapter 3 and verse 36, there's the word belief. And that word, Jesus says this, He says that the one who believes will be saved, but the one who does not believe is condemned. The wrath of God is upon that person. It says exactly these words, He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life, and he that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. More accurate translations say that word believeth not is actually obeys not. Now there is controversy on that, depending on which manuscript they use, but it's really immaterial to us in the sense that all over the rest of the scripture we have Faith means you obey. Plain and simple. So anytime someone says, I believe in Jesus, obedience has to be there. Otherwise, they don't believe Jesus. And we have to examine ourselves. Say, Lord, am I obeying you? There was a missionary in the early 1900s. He gave up everything for the Lord. And uh, he was a promising sportsman in England. C.T. Studd. 
and he went, uh, he's a cricketer, and he went to Africa, and toward the end of his life, he was in the dark jungle at nighttime with a little kerosene lamp or candle, and he was flipping through the Bible vigorously. And his son-in-law happened to witness this, and he said, is everything okay? What are you searching for? And he said, I'm searching for any commandment of the Almighty that I've left undone. See, he's at the end of his life. And I'm sure it was not just the end of his life, it was throughout, because he was sincerely looking to see if I have pleased my Lord. See, it is not an obligation as a servile kind of mentality, servant mentality, where I have to make sure because I don't want to anger him, or I want to earn something. It's, I have a love relationship with him, therefore I want to please my Father. That's how Jesus operated. He said, I love my Father. My Father loves me because I always do the things that please him. So let's raise the bar and the standard in our lives. Let's say, Lord, have I been living substandard to the voice of your Holy Spirit? Have I compared myself with others and felt good because I'm not disobeying like them? Or am I not to compare myself with anyone, as Paul says, with the Word of God, with the Spirit of God speaking to me? And you'll find all at once, your walk with God will become very strong. The light will shine brightly. The salt will be very salty, so to speak. The distinction will be clear and conspicuous. And people will be drawn to that. God will open up opportunities for all kinds of witnessing, either by people watching your life or by your word, so that by your deed and doctrine you can save yourself and the hearers. You're the God of wonders You're the God of wonders You're the God of wonders You Please send in your prayer requests to contact at lbethelinternationalministries.org or you can write us, Elbethel International Ministries, P.O. Box 966, Goshen, New York, 10924, USA. May God richly bless you until next time. You're the God.